Welcome back, community, to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on with Pistol, and for the very first time, we're making history. Chizo and JB are not going to be on the podcast. Thank God we've ditched them. We've got in someone way better. Welcome to the podcast. Nicey, how was your week? Good, mate. I don't know about that. Uh, Supercoach-wise, not as good. Could have scored a bit better, as we were saying off air. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but um, but I'm um, ready to be getting into round five this week. Awesome. So we'll just jump straight into the round review because there's a lot to cover and don't particularly want to do another, you know, hour 20 podcast. So sorry for the fans that are enjoying the the long ones, but um, yeah, not for tonight. So jumping in straight away, Adelaide Crows versus Collingwood. There were some big scorers in this game and some, I guess, surprisingly big scorers as well. I think we'll start with the larger surprise of the weekend. Still side bottom, backing up his performance from last week. He's now scored a 138 this week from 43 touches. Do you think he's a bit of a, a POD sneaky option this year, Nicey? What are your thoughts on uh, side bottom? Yeah, he's absolutely a POD option, Pistol. I think uh, the first two weeks he went sub-100. He scored 91 uh, in each of the first two rounds. But then, as you said, he's backed up his score of 134 last week with 138 this week. Um, Big pot option. Very, very brave option, I think. Um, But Collingwood Collingwood are looking good. And uh, if you've got someone like Armitage in your side that is uh, ready to be shown the door, I think still side bottom could could be a sneaky POD option for you. And I like when you say Collingwood are looking good because for the first two weeks, I was horribly worried. Um, and we've just turned it around completely and looking like a proper proper side. So uh, well done to the Collingwood boys. And we'll just quickly brush over um, Sam Murray. He scored 92. What a gun. Just uh, carry on here. Jaden Stephenson, if you held him this whole time, you've been heavily rewarded for his 115 five-goal superhuman effort. Um, the last Collingwood player that is, I think, the major talking point of this week, Brody Grundy has backed up his massive performances with another massive performance, 141 this week. Nicey, is this the year that Grundy just ends up as the number one Supercoach Ruckman? Very well might be. He's definitely in All-Australian uh, contention as we speak. Um, and this is all, remember, with Mason Cox playing in the side as well. So that worry has sort of... Um, that's gone. That's We've swept that under the rug. Um, Grundy is looking fantastic, and he's nearly hit the 150 sort of three weeks in a row now. He's uh, been not far off. Um, so he's producing some massive scores, and he's the informed ruckman of the competition, and uh, might be one to be thinking about come, come uh, the buy rounds. So people might be thinking it's not sustainable, but at the end of the day, the bloke's just got 33 possessions. Um, anyone who gets 33 possessions a game is going to generally score well, especially if you're Ruckman getting 40 hitouts like Grundy. So um, if he keeps getting you know, well above 20 possessions a game, he's going to keep scoring well. So um, a good option for those who might be looking for a Ruck. If you have trouble, we'll talk about Todd Goldstein a bit later. But moving on to the Crow side, another Ruckman, Sam Jacobs. Not a great score, 67, but hold the faith. He's done well in the previous week, so I wouldn't really worry or stress about him yet. Um, Laird, 129. He was solid. I think everyone's got Laird, so there's also no no real point stopping and talking about it. Nicey, Rory Sloan, 59. He looked very injured. He didn't look great. Is he someone we should be jumping on in a couple of weeks, or is it just the Sloan from last year where... He gets massive scores in wins and terrible scores in losses, and you just take what you can get and you grab him when he's cheap, or is it someone you just stay away from? Don't know about Sloan. He's one, as you say, we we jump on him when he's cheap, um, but I think you've got to anticipate these scores. We know uh, Sloan, he doesn't do well with a tag. Um, we'll talk about some uh, some tags later in the podcast, but I I think Sloan, um, just one, you'd... You, Go on the roller coaster ride with him. I think he, you know, as you say, when the crows are up, Rory's up, um, but when they're down, uh, he doesn't doesn't do all that well. He only had the four kicks on the weekend, which obviously uh, hurt his score, um, and the three clangers as well um, brought it down to fifty nine. Yeah, not not a great score, and it looks like Darcy Fogarty hit the rookie wall on the weekend. I mean, 
the, the Crows couldn't get near it anyway, but he only scored 44 super coach. Maybe he'll be he'll stay in the side due to the injury to Eddie Betts, but it depends on Lockley Murphy's uh, availability. But um, Fogarty probably does go out if um, Murphy is available. Um, Tom Duday, uh, nicely, had his first average score for the year with a 57. Is this panic uh, signs, or is it someone that we just say, you know, he's, he's good, they just lost, and it's a, a once-off thing? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say that it's a once-off thing, but I think absolutely no cause for concern. Adelaide, as we said, had a terrible game. Um, Dude, averaging 85, he's uh, he's definitely a good option still down in your back line. And if you've got some extra cover down there, like a Murphy or an Omi- uh, David Miro that you can sort of bring in um, and use a loophole for, Dude, absolutely keep him. He's not uh, not worth moving on yet. He's still got cash to make. That's exactly right. So we'll move on as well to the the... GWS versus Fremantle game. Um, there's some news in this game. There was some uh, Josh Kelly missing, which caused a lot of uh, discomfort, I'll say, in the Supercoach uh, community, especially with those that also had green um, in the previous weeks. And now we don't, it's just awkward because we don't know how long Kelly's out for. He might miss the next week. And we just never heard anything of this This injury until last minute um, nicely so all the, the Kelly owners kind of don't know what to do and we can't really advise anything because we still don't know enough about it um, so we'll just have to skip on past that injury it was uh, Canelio again 116 who just looks like he's going to be an absolute ripper primo this year so if you haven't got him yet and you have some underperforming primo look at Canelio don't look anywhere else because he's he's the one to get um, Tim Taranto backed up his hot start. I know he only got 49 last week, but he just pretty much in my eyes, I mean, it was a close call between best on ground between Canelio and Taranto, in my opinion. Um, he got 116 super coach points. Do you think that this game was a sign of, you know, him breaking out nicely? Or do you think it was kind of because Kelly missed and he got some more mid time? Well, it's definitely Kelly out of the side would impact him. Uh, in the fact that he's you know, you know going to get his hands on the ball a bit more, um, but I think it's definitely a sign of uh, of things to come from Tim Taranto. He's uh, he's a good player and he looks good um, when he when he has the ball in hand. He had the fourteen kicks and eight handballs on the weekend. Um, score inflated a little bit uh, from two frees four, but he kicked the, kicked one goal um, and thirteen contested possessions. It's definitely uh, it's yeah not doing him justice to say that his uh, his score was because. Um, of Kelly's omission from the side this week. I think uh, Taranto is definitely a player for the future. Yeah, I find it really hard to pick. I, I still feel like my gut says he's not going to be a primo this year, but I mean, he's had three scores above 100. Um, so it, it's still possible that he will be a primo. He's not someone I'd be jumping on now, but if you do have him, um, just ride it out, I guess, you know, just to see how you go. Um, Toby Green got a 93. Finlayson, 101. I don't think we have to talk about him either because he's just been wonderful. Um, Ryan Griffin played mostly full forward and scored 66, so he might not be the cash cow option we were hoping for because he didn't get any of that halfback time. On to the Dockers side. Um, we've got Nat Fife scoring 101, but it was more... What, what, what do you reckon what's up with Lockie Neal this year? He got another... 29 touches. He's pretty much got 30 touches every week, but he's not cracked the ton. He's just averaging, you know, those high 90s. Do you think he's capable of taking his game this year uh, to that 110 average mark, or do you think Lockie Neal is just doomed to be in this, you know, 100 ceiling range? No, we know Lockie Neal's capable of more than that, and I think it comes down to his ball use. He only went at 69% on the weekend, um, and he's he's been known to be very, very effective with his disposal in the past. So I think Lockie Neal, he's not having a problem getting, getting his hands on the ball, as you said, Pistol. Um, but I think Lockie just needs to yeah work on his disposal as the year goes on, uh, and we'll start to see those big, big scores that we know he can produce um, come later in the year. So again, not, one for, uh, not a cause for concern if you do have him on your side, um, but definitely one to watch as his price goes down. I think he's going to pick it up and, uh, and find some form a bit later in the year. Yeah, it sounds like a wise call. Um, so Mitch Crowden did very well. I should say Crowden now that I actually got to watch him play, and that's how they say his name, so my bad for the previous week. Um, Bailey Banfield also scored really well, but someone who didn't score very well nicely. Is it time to jump off Andrew Brayshaw after his 42? He's got a break even of 54, mind you. Is this the time to jump off him, or should we be holding him um, 
you know, until he eventually pops out a bigger score. Look, I think I've been very vocal about starting rookies uh, that, you know, the higher price sort of 200,000 uh, 200, range, even upwards. I don't think I started with a rookie um, upwards of 130K this year. But um, I'd, I think if you've started with him, not really much point uh, getting off him now unless you're looking at bringing in um, bringing in another option um, of someone you know sort of cheaper than him or someone that's set to um, set to their value is set to go through the roof. Um, I think hold the faith with him one more week. He might he might still yet find form. A break even of fifty four is not unreachable for him. Um, and like I said, I think if you've if you've stuck with him, um, if you started with him at the start of the year, stick with him and just see how he goes next week against the Bulldogs. So. I have Brayshaw, I know you don't, but I'm thinking I just may as well now hold him until his buy, really, and then decide what to do. There's no point. I know he's more expensive and, you know, I can get rid of him now and maybe bank an 80k or something like that, but it's just not worth it. I mean, he's someone that we saw in the JLT that scored a 97 and 87. You know, that ceiling is there. He just hasn't hit it in the AFL level, and I think he can get there, and it just takes one game above 80. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 250K and I can get 150K from downgrading him. I just think that, yes, he's performing poorly. He's got a high break even. He probably goes down in price this week, to be honest with you. But surely it's coming. And I feel like we're only five rounds into the season. We picked him for a reason because he actually has that high scoring potential for a rookie. And I've got other rookies making money. So... I'm not really worried, and I think I would suggest just holding him until it happens. Surely it's got to happen nicely. Well, um, exactly, and I, I think th- I think the other thing is, it's a very good point that you make. If you did have him as a cash cow, and that was your intention for him, then maybe maybe now it is the time to move him on. But as you say, if it if it's someone that you're invested in long term and someone that you might have on your bench as a sort of your number one emergency to come on, and you think he's going to sort of lift his scoring later in the year. Um, that's a good, you know, a good plan. But I think, you know, we see with rookies, they have of that sort of price value. They have one bad game, and their cash value is is really sort of their cash growth is really stunted. So um, I think, yeah, like I said, if he's a cash cow, move him on. If he's a genuine emergency, then you know, hang on to him for the for the foreseeable future, or as a bench option throughout the buys um, to get you through that sort of uh, that sort of round there. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. Let's uh, jump into the Richmond Tigers versus the Brisbane game. Do we even call this a game, Nicey? I mean, have you have you ever really seen a game... I know you've seen big wins, but have you ever felt like just watching... I don't know if you watch this game, but I've never really felt like this before while watching a game of football, that one team just wasn't there. Um, even though it was a massive like margin, but it wasn't the biggest margin I'd seen, it just felt like Brisbane didn't turn up. Um and it was just the weirdest thing. It really made me think, maybe we've got too many teams in the league or need a promotion relegation um, style league. It was. Did you manage to catch this game? I did, yeah. I was. Uh, I had an eye on this uh, this game for a fair bit of it, and it just didn't even look like Brisbane would uh, would kick a goal for the for the game. It took them, I think, until the 20, 24th minute mark of the third quarter to kick that uh, kick that first goal. Um, it was just, it was woeful to be honest and probably could have been a lot worse. Richmond only scored uh, 110 points. Imagine if that had blown out to 150 plus. Um, it would have been disastrous for the Lions. It just, uh, yeah, like, it just was a terrible game of football. I mean, one team doing that to another team. Oh, I mean, call the police. That's uh, almost, you know, assault. Um, so Dusty <laughs> managed to to kick another classic six goals. I mean, the, the bloke's like fourth in the Coleman medal as well as being like the best midfielder in the game. He's pretty much unstoppable at the moment. Another 141. If you don't have Dusty, you just need to get Dusty. There's there's, there's no, nothing else um, to really say about it. It's just get Dusty in. Uh, Kane Lambert owners probably, when I say owners, I mean you know, the three dead teams that still have him because the, the rest have already traded him out. Um, returned to some form with 119. So he might be someone to watch because he's dropped all the way down to like 430K, which is, I'd say value. But after the first couple of rounds, it's really hard to predict what you're going to get with him, especially knowing um, that Dion Pressia is back into the side. He only scored an 86 on his return. Um, but Brisbane Lions... I think the most interesting thing was that they had a debutant and he scored 15, which nicely, uh, are you jumping all over Zach Bailey? <laughs> no, 
No, fair to say I won't be jumping all over Zach Bailey. I think, uh, yeah, he's going to have to um, do something pretty magical next week for us to be wanting to trade him in the side. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other rookie there, um, their pistol was uh, Cam Rayner um, with a score of 97, had uh, had the 13 kicks and nine handballs. What, uh, what did you make of his game? He actually, like last week we saw signs that he was going to be a good player. But this game he was just a good player. I mean, 22 possessions... He, I'm not going to say it's his breakout game because I'm sure he's going to have bigger and better games than this one, but he just looked like a legit, proper AFL footballer. The 97, it's great if you manage to hold him this whole time because the first couple of scores um, this year would have tested my patience, but he's going to reward those that held him just as Stephenson did um, for the Pies, and they're going to start going up a lot a lot in price. So um, well done to those owners, um, as well as Alan Christensen owners as well. Another 98 um, for him, which, you know, his break-even's now down to 31, so he's going to make a lot more money, and he's scored well. He's done exactly what you wanted from him um, as that mid-pricer at the beginning of the season. So, you know, kudos to you if you managed to pick him. Um, anything else in this game, Nice. You reckon we should move on to the, the Dog-Swans match, probably game of the round? Yeah, happy to move on, mate. I think uh, probably the only other one of note, Steph Martin just enjoying good year uh, in the ruck as well. Yeah, that that's it. He's just solid without being outstanding. I mean, you can't really call any other ruckman outstanding except for, I guess, Gorn and Grundy. So just solid. But we'll move on to that Bulldogs versus Swans game. And I think it's very clear now, Jack McRae is just a full-blown primo. I mean, you know, top 10 um, midfielder. He, he scored 103, which I know is a bit low, but you know the 34 touches. He he's just all over the ball all the time. I can't really see him having a poor game um, at this rate. He, he's just everywhere. Do you think McRae? How highly do you, would you rate him, um, Nicey? Like what number midfielder would you rate him in in Supercoach? He's definitely having a breakout year, but it's nothing that we haven't seen from him in the past couple of years. He's just sort of finding it. Um, finding form, finding finding a bit more consistently. I think uh, top 10 is a little bit gener- generous for McRae. I think he'll probably be top 15, uh, maybe top 20, but Oof. he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely right up there in um, in the midfielders and if you've got him, you know, well done um, for for sticking by him. Yeah, he's barely in any teams as well. So he was a great POD at the start of the year. I think top 20. Oh, you're being pretty harsh there. I wonder uh, where, where do you think this uh, Bulldogs trio of Dalhouse, McLean, I should say McLean, just unbelievable start, and Mitch Wallace, all of them are scoring pretty well for the Bulldogs. Are they only scoring well because they're winning games, or do you think all three of them could genuinely be you know, top 10 forward options? Uh, McLean, definitely a top 10 forward option. Um, throw, throw Dalhouse in the mix there as well. I think... It, you know, with Dalhouse and Wallace, they're probably not going to be in that sort of bracket. But McLean, McLean will be a top six forward, you'd imagine. Um, yeah. Just had an outstanding game on the weekend again. Only the six, uh, the eight kicks, uh, sorry, and the sixteen handballs, but um, had the five free kicks, four, which sort of boosted his scoring a little. Um, um, but went at seventy five percent and only had the one clanger. So he's yeah, definitely a top six forward in my eyes. I mean, every year people ask us about Mitch Wallace. They're like, you know, should I jump on Mitch Wallace? Because he, he scores okay, like like solid. You know, he'll, he'll score around 90. But I'm just not sure it ends up being a top six score. I think he's probably going to be... Um, oh, I mean, I mean, Lib is out, so he will be less reliant than he was last year on Bulldogs winning. But it's just so hard to predict. I feel like the Bulldogs have, you know, half a dozen players that should be averaging 100-plus, but then one of them will miss out in a big win... Um, one will score badly, and you're just hoping that it's you know not your player that you own, um, and it's a bit frustrating. So you just never know what you're going to get with the Bulldogs, and for that reason, I probably wouldn't be picking too many of them. Um, I probably limit limit the Bulldogs to you know a small amount, especially I should say if you're going for league more more than overall, because overall averages out over the the whole season. But for league, I wouldn't be loading up massively um, on Bulldogs because you're probably bound to cop a crap a score. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say crap on this podcast nicely, but anyway, um, Aaron Norton, finally, 78. He had a big score. He's reset his break-even. He's going to make us cash nicely. Yeah, Norton finally coming coming through with a good score there um, this week, which is good for 
for um, owners that had stuck with him. He uh, finally replicating that sort of preseason form that we uh, that we knew he could. Um, the other other rookie there, Pistol, um, that we were um, going to have a quick chat about was uh, Ed Richards. Had a massive last quarter. Talk us through that one. Yeah, so watching the game, he, he was frustrating me because I traded him in last week and he just did nothing for the first three quarters. Like, he gave away four frees, but he wasn't really involved. And then all of a sudden, last quarter, and he looked like Superman. He, he was unreal nicey. Um, and he scored 67 in the end, so actually a decent score. Um, I thought he was going to go like sub 35, so I'm pretty pleased with that 67 effort. On the, the Sydney Swan side, I mean, Buddy and Heaney, every week, they're just scoring 100 every single week. I think at this point, it's just like a no-brainer that you have to have at least one, if not both, um, in your side. Their draw is going to open up after next week. You pretty much need to look at getting one of them or both of them in um, right now. Is, was that a fair assessment, Nicey? Well, I think most people would have have one or both of them. Um, probably more likely one of um, with the buys coming up. You don't want to be having too many players. I think they're... Are they the round 14 buy, Chizo? Are they yeah. uh, the Swans round 14? Yeah. Chizo, um, Chizo does confirm that they are Chizo. the round 14 buy. <laughs> <laughs> Pistol. Um, no. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, I think once that buy round is is gone, I think they're both going to be top six forwards. So you definitely want to be looking at getting them both both in. Um, but yeah, I, I've started Franklin and he's been fantastic. And, and Heaney sort of worried me with his preseason form, but he's definitely come good. Um, and I, I both think I think that they're both going to end up as, as a top six. So now let's move on to Josh P. Kennedy because a lot of people have been talking about him as a value pick. He's 505k. Um, he's got that high break even, so he's going to drop a bit more. He scored 46 this week. What are your thoughts on uh, Josh P. Kennedy? I'd be really hesitant, uh, Pistol. I think, um, as we were talking about off air before, I, I think, um, I think once once players are getting to that sort of 30, 30 uh, year old sort of age range. Um, I think those scores can sort of become a little bit more consistent than we'd like. Um, I don't think Josh Kennedy's quite there yet, but I, I don't think this 46 is going to be something out of the blue this year. I think that's probably going to persist. Um, it's it's hard to know. It, it's value that is really, really hard to pass up. Um, but at the same time, I think you've just got to be wary and know that those scores will come um, and that he's not going to average you know, 110 plus as he has done in years gone by. So I guess on the flip side of that, every single year there's someone who is a slow starter and that man is Josh P. Kennedy. After the bye, he comes home and he averages 120. I think he's done it like four years in a row or something like that. I think, I don't know if he's going to get there this year with that 120 average, but I still think he can go 110. I know you said he's not, but I reckon this is a slow start. He's going to be cheap. I don't know how low he's going to go because obviously it depends on his score next week. If he has another stinker, he's going to get really low. Um, but he's someone I would focus on um, kind of on my watch list. I think he, he's keep an eye on him. If he starts having signs of you know these 120 games where he racks up like 30-plus touches and he goes on those runs of 30-plus touches that he does, um, he's someone that could be really cheap and really good value for the run home. So um, definitely keep an eye on him anyway. Um, let's move on to the next game, though, if you could call it that. Um, I think only one team turned up, and that was uh, North Melbourne versus, I think, Blues, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, oh, wait, this is great, because now cause I can say anything I want, because there's no um, Chizo or uh, JB hosting, so I didn't even have to acknowledge that, that Carlton exists, Nicey. This is a this is a great change. <laughs> well, we're going to be wanting to acknowledge some of the Carlton players later, but, um, yeah, North Melbourne... Fantastic game by them. Uh, again, again, you couldn't say that they had a um, fantastic opponent um, after beating St Kilda a couple of weeks ago as well, my boys. Um, but there's not really too much to talk about from North Melbourne perspective there, is there, um, Pistol? I think maybe Higgins, uh, Chizo gets out of his uh, donation to the Cancer Council. <laughs> um, Higgins <laughs> ending up with a score of 122, but there's not really much to talk about there, is there? I think... I think we should talk about Goldstein, but first, before that, I, I do want to say that everybody is a little bit of Chizo apparently today, because that's definitely JB's uh, JB's man love with Shawnee Higgins, and that that, that this is true. That, this is true. 
<laughs> no, I'm just losing. I mean, every everybody's a little bit of Cheezo inside. I, we I all love a what... bit of Cheezo. <laughs> this is this is too much. Um, Todd Goldstein, seventy six. There's a lot of owners who are now panicking. I mean, he already got a stern talking to um, by Scott saying, you know, he, he's got a he's going to dominate. Otherwise, uh, Prusas might come knocking, and he didn't do that much. Like he did enough. But at the end of the day, like Cruz has sat out most of the last quarter as well, and Goldstein just—I mean, I guess he didn't have to do much because they were dominating anyway. But it wasn't like an awe-inspiring performance. I think you kind of have to make a call if you're a Goldstein owner: Are you going to wait for Proust to come in, or are you going to jump off him, or is Proust not going to come in? If you're going to trade him out, you got to do it right now. If you're not going to trade him out, you just need to wait until Proust comes back. I don't think there's. There's no no more time. Um, this is it. He's going to drop too much in price, and you'll you'll miss like Nick Nat and stuff who are going to rock it past him. You know, Grundy's in form. You know, Grundy's probably going to be in the top two ruckman this year as well. Um, you've got enough information to make an educated decision. It's now or never for Goldstein owners. You're either holding him out till he's dropped, or if he even gets dropped, or you're trading him. Do you think that's a fair assessment, Nicey? Well, that's the thing. As you said, this was a dominant performance by North Melbourne. This is as dominant a performance as North Melbourne are probably going to give all year, let's be honest. Um, he was coming up against an underdone Matthew Cruiser and Levi Casbolt. We, you know, don't need to say much more about his sort of ruck work. Not a rec- not one of the recognised ruckmen. Um, but this, is, this, is, this was Goldstein's opportunity, and he had 10 disposals. Um, I, I don't... I think... He's a massive cause of concern, and I think you need to be looking elsewhere because Goldie uh, is going to be shown the door, and, and Bruce is going to get his opportunity. Yeah, I don't usually like to trade out uh, primos. I mean, that's a lie because I've traded out half my team already. But um, <laughs> no, I, I usually on Ruckman, it's pretty much you pick them for me, and you just keep them for the whole year. But well, it's a this is get, cons- isn't it? It, it is, but this is I'm, I'd be if I if I was a Goldstein owner, I would be very concerned because yeah. I just don't think he's got it in him anymore. I really don't. So it's one for you to play on your gut feel, Goldstein owners. But um, yeah, my, my two cents is out there. On the blue side, though, there's someone that um, you actually have, have been talking about a little bit. Um, do you want to talk us through your thoughts behind Ed Kerno? Well, both both the Kernos have been uh, have been really good. But Ed Kerno, massive point of difference option um, if, if anyone uh, had sort of started with him. Um, he has not had a bad game. His lowest score of 86 for the year, but um, on the flip side of that, he's gone 148 in round two and 126 this week um, in a losing losing side and a, and a badly losing side uh, as well. Had the 13 kicks and 13 handballs. Um, just just a dominant performance again by Ed Kerno um, playing as an inside midfielder. Yeah, so I think Murphy was out, but... I think Ed Kerner was probably going to score well anyway um, in this game. It's just, it's like, do you really want to trade in Ed Kerner? So I think he's more of a, a pass, even though he is averaging 113, mind you. I think it's more of a pass, but I'd still say consider. I mean, he scored well before, and there's no one else after Gibbs left. I mean, we probably should well, have given it a little bit more thought to Kerner. Exactly, and just bear in mind as well that we we know that Cripps is going to cop the tag now every week. So that does free up Kerner. Uh, a little bit and might actually help his scoring uh, even more. He might uh, might be set for, for those scores on a regular basis. The only problem is then you have a Carlton player and they just disappoint time and time again. Uh, Cade Simpson, 79. Not really too much of a cause for concern, though. He just just had a, had a little bit of a bad game. But um, the rookie options, Cam O'Shea and uh, Lockie O'Brien with a 45 and 46. Not great. Zach Fisher, 45. He came back down to earth. Um he didn't look like the Zach Fisher of the previous week, so maybe just test it out and see how he goes next week. Hopefully he bounces back for those owners. Otherwise, I'd be uh, ditching if he has another poor score, I think, um, because then the uh, the experiment's probably over. But yeah, Paddy Dow, again, just another very mediocre score. He's never shown that he's had that scoring potential. Um, Nicey, I know you you don't have the expensive midfielders. I know you're going to say get rid of him, so we'll just move on because I think for that... That one's an obvious well, call. Well, and, and put uh, Davies Uniac in the same boat there as well from North Melbourne. 
Ah, oh, great call. I did overlook that. Yeah, just just put them in the same basket um, at this this point in time and get ready to, to cull them. Let's move on to the uh, West Coast Eagles versus Gold Coast Suns game. Another great Saturday night game of football. I mean, we've just had two games that have, you know, 80-point margins on a Saturday night. They, they're scheduling. Come on. I mean, that is, that is disappointing. Um, someone who wasn't disappointing, though, Elliot Yo. <laughs> 150 nicey. Uh, what did you make of his game? Well, what do you make of his his you know super coach potential? Really, he's, he is the yo yo, and he's up and down quite a bit. Managed to um, string a consistent year together last year, but um, I think you've got to expect that from from yo yo. He's uh, he's going to go 50 one week and 150 the next. He just he's going to make up for that uh, that differential um, from uh, from the week before average. Probably still average 100. Um, but yeah, the 25 kicks and eight handballs. Um, fantastic game from Yo. Um, but like I said, don't expect that every week. The 50s are going to be, you know, they're going to keep coming uh, unless he can can um, do what he did last year and, and have a bit more of a consistent year than what we're used to. Yeah, so the problem that I have with Yo is that, yes, he dropped in price last week, but he, he didn't drop enough in price. Now he's gone 150 and he hasn't fallen enough. He's almost reached his break even and he's not going to drop anymore. So it, I was looking forward to getting that, you know, extra cheap premium defender and we just can't get it, which is really annoying. So, um, you know, well done for owners. You've got three tons out of him. I know you had to put up with that 27, but... Um, it doesn't look like everyone else is going to be able to jump on like they were hoping. So uh, we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks. Um, Nick Nat, again, his time is still managed, only playing 56% time on ground, but with another 92, he's just rock solid. He just does decently every single week uh, without fail. Um, I don't think much more has to be said. Daniel Venables looked like he copped an ankle injury. However, he did apparently want to come back on near the end of the match. Um, so I'm not too worried about that, but we'll find out the results a bit later in the week. Um, on the Gold Coast Sun side, another player that you have been talking up a little bit who actually has been dominating. I think no one's even noticed how well he's been doing. Talk us through David Swallow. I'm very uh, very quick to jump on bandwagons, Pistol, and um, <laughs> I think I, I talk them up once they've proven themselves, not uh, not prior to that. But um, Swallow, yeah, the three tons for the year, lower score of 81. He's looking really solid. Um, really good again on the weekend. Um, had 14 kicks and 15 handballs. Kicked a goal as well. Um, what more can you ask, really? Um, it's just um, very another sort of brave option uh, if you've gone him. Uh, as a midfield only, he doesn't have that um, defender midfield sort of dual position that he once had, um, which makes him a little less uh, sort of tempting. But um, yeah, I think if you've started Swallow, well done, but probably not one I'd be looking to trade in just yet. Maybe wait and see uh, until the buy round that he has in round 10 um, and assess from there. Well, I mean, you say he's had tons, but they're big tons. I mean, he's averaging 110. And he's got the early buy, so you can kind of just wait and see how he goes. I mean, you don't really want to be paying 600k for David Swallow, but if he's averaging 110 after eight weeks and then plays all his games at Metricon, because at the moment, because of Commonwealth Games, they haven't even been able to have a home game, um, he could be a very unique, strange kind of POD that you never expected to be able to bring in um, at this time of the year, and especially this early. I don't know if you're willing to bring in a Gold Coast player like immediately after their buy as a premium midfielder. It's just not something that you'd expected um, after Gaz left. We'll, uh, we'll look to the next game, I think. I mean, I could talk about Nick Holman, but he's still got a break even of 25. He, he'll beat that this week. It's probably yeah. you, you just let him play. You don't bother trading him. It, I, I think more it serves as a purpose, a timely reminder that we can't be content with these rookies on the field you've got to remember they are rookies so at the end of the day they will need to be upgraded to premium players and yeah there's there's some uh tempting we'll, we'll jump into the next game the Essendon versus Port game I was going to go straight into tempting midfielders called Zach Merritt Zach Merritt 107 bounce back he now has dropped more than 100k he's 493k nicey do you think Zach Merritt from here from here on, because we've already you know, missed his bad scores, unless you have him, in which case, uh, my apologies. Do you think from here on out, he could average 110? 
I don't see why not. As you said, he's got these bad scores out of the way early. He copped the head knock in round one. Um, I don't see why he can't. Um, you'd be you'd be brave to back him in. That's my favourite word of the night. Um, brave <laughs> supercoach players. But um, look, I don't see why he can't can't back up his form from last year. I think um, I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. If not uh, if not bring in early, as we were talking about, if you've got someone like an Armitage. Uh, in your side, or even like a, a Tim Kelly, almost he's um, at uh, at three hundred and three thousand now. If you've got the cash and wanting to upgrade to a premium midfielder, Zach Murray might be uh, might be your go. I mean, I probably wouldn't. I know Tim Kelly was an example, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll, we'll hold on to Tim Kelly more like a Brayshaw, um, yeah, or someone like a Dow. You know, you try and raise some funds. I'm just maybe. looking at my own team uh, <laughs> pistol and just seeing where I can go in the future. I'm I'm just I've got a very broad broad horizons at the moment there's <laughs> well, so much that needs to be done uh, i think uh that's you're speaking on behalf of a lot of people there i think a lot of bonner owners in particular are looking um yes. at maybe a cheeky downgrade to a mirror and then uh maybe a midfield upgrade at the moment to try and sneak in a zach merritt at like a m m6 or m7 exactly um but the, the other players in this game the primos perform well you know Hurley got 117, Devin Smith got tagged, and he got 92, which I guess is good enough. It's not too bad. But the first gamer, uh, Matt Gilfie, he scored 90, 90, he didn't score 90, he scored 72, nicey. Um, what did you, do you think that this is someone that potentially we're, we're all going to be all over um, in two weeks' time if his name for his third game? I was going to say, not don't be bringing him in with after one game under his belt. I think it's definitely always safe to bring in uh, the rookie players after they've got the two games under their belt, and then moving on selected for the third. Don't do a don't do a Jack Higgins and bring him in this week, and then he gets dropped uh, the next week, even though he had a good game. So let's just wait and wait and see the teams, um, and and have a look at him over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, absolutely, I think uh, I think he's a good option, and and playing in a in a side that. Uh, is looking good as well. Same as Collingwood, Essendon, Essendon are looking all right, which is uh, always promising, um, helps the scoring potential of, of the younger players. Well, it's definitely going to be a good match next week on Anzac Day, Essendon versus Collingwood. Looking forward to that one. But Absolutely. The, uh, power, the power side, there's quite a few primo options um, in this side, I should say, especially forward options, but it was Robbie Gray. Jeez, um, Robbie Gray, 39 possessions, um, 19 contested, he went at 84% um, disposal efficiency, and he hasn't scored poorly at all this year. He's, he's kind of still playing this mid-forward role, um, but this 145 just caps off a great three rounds uh, of Robbie Gray. Where would you rank him? I know JB still ranks him as his number one forward for this year. Um, <laughs> do you think... I mean, no pot bias, but no, where do no. you see realistically... <laughs> Uh, Robbie Gray um, in comparison to other top line forward premium options well realistically uh, I think if he continues going the way he's going he's going to be a top six forward Um, we know we know from last year and and years prior that if he does play forward sometimes he struggles to get his hands on the ball and that's where he can produce those subpar scores but he's been playing forward primarily i would say for most of the year and he's he's scoring well the good thing i would say as well pistol um because he's he missed round one he's, he's only played those three games um it was really good to see his value only go up twenty eight thousand this week um so if you did miss the boat on him bringing him in this week i think that's not not damage done to to get him in this week um and hopefully you can reproduce those those hundred plus scores for us yeah and i i personally do think that gray will be a top three forward this year i'm more comfortable saying three than than one sorry Ooh. jb um but i know uh we, we have mentioned it before but i feel like robbie gray it doesn't really matter that he has the early buy because in your forward line, most of these top primos um, have the round 14 buy, and you're going to get more than three of them anyway. So you're going to be getting a rookie score in the buy rounds um, anyway, especially, I should say, round 14. You're going to be getting a lot of rookie scores in round 14, um, in which case you're just going to get a rookie score instead in round 10. So it doesn't really matter, especially if he's going to finish as the number one forward option, um, then you're going to want to get Gray in your side sooner rather than later. And as you said, he hasn't yet gone up too much in price. So he's one that you probably want to make a move on um, ASAP or just wait until after his buy. Riley Bonner, though, nice. He he got 60. Um, He's still got a break even of 60 as well. So he's not going to, you wouldn't think he's going to fall in price, but 
Do you think the time is nigh? It's coming up. We're going to have to get rid of Bonner soon, or do you reckon he's one to hold uh, through the buys as he plays through all the buys? Yeah, a really interesting one, and I, I feel for people that brought him in two weeks ago hoping that he would um, reproduce some of those early scores um, that he had done in rounds one and two. But um, I, yeah, it's a really tough one with Bonner because I think if you've just brought him in, you're not going to be wanting to move him on. Um but if you've started with him, I think yeah, the the time the time is nigh, as you say. Um, he's uh, he's approaching his uh, the end of his supercoach life, the the use um, that we've had for him this year, um, and I I just think yeah, there's probably going to be some good downgrade options coming up, as you say, like a mirror um, from Hawthorne, um, that you know we can we can look to to bank some cash on. And I th- I think that's that's spot. I think. Um the most popular trade next week, I'll call it early, would just be Bonner to Dave Mira from Hawthorne just because it, he's 102K. He's going to make lots of money. It makes sense. Um, the last person I want to talk about in this game, just because we have to, you can't not mention it, Tom Rockliffe, 29 supercoach points. He's averaging 43 for the year, Nicey. He's now at a price of 387K with a break-even of 130. I mean, this this bloke's going to be almost a straight swap with Holman in like three weeks. I mean, can you believe that this is the Tom Rockliffe that, you know, once averaged like 130 super coach points, Nicey? No, that's as as I was saying to you before, uh, Pistol, I don't know if it's... Is it a, an issue of him not being able to find his his place at, at a new club or uh, or whether it is just the end of the fantasy pig? But um, just a quick shout-out to my dad who started him as well this year. Well done, Dad. <laughs> not taking your advice. Well, with, with that, we'll move on to the uh, Hawks-Demons game, which uh, looked to be a good game um, until about half-time. And then Demons just... Yeah, I think they scored nine points after quarter time, so it was pretty much game over. But on the Hawthorne side, Yago Amira, unbelievable. Um, 145 super, super coach points. I mean, now there's real issues because they tagged Tom Mitchell. They held him to 90. But, you know, the, these players like Isaac Smith and Yago Amira dominated. Is it worth tagging Tom Mitchell over a Yago Amira and, and Isaac Smith nicely? Well, I don't think so, and I think coaches are going to wake up to that um, to that pretty soon. I I feel like uh, Melbourne invested a lot of time into Tom Mitchell. Nathan Jones went to him early, um, and, and I, ju- I just think that even though maybe his impact was nullified somewhat, they let the rest of the Hawks run right. Um, and that said, Mitchell still had 11 kicks and 13 handballs, um, most importantly, 13 clearances. Um, so... You know he is one of those untaggable sort of um, sort of players, um, and even though his supercoach uh, impact was nullified, I don't think the impact on the side uh, on the Hawks side, uh, I don't think there was much of much of an impact there. So I think that Tom Mitchell will be freed up in the next couple of weeks. I think coaches will look at this game um, and probably realise that tagging Tom Mitchell is not going to do much um, for the good of their side. So. That's that sounds like good advice. I reckon um, that's probably going to be spot on in the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll see that come. Just to give fruition. me the Saints job. <laughs> yeah, sign him up. There we go. They're, they're probably going to need a <laughs> new head coach. Nicey is uh, looking out for it. Um, James Sicily, 110 after his suspension. I mean, we knew he was going to be a good scorer, but he's also a hot head. He's still really cheap. 424k. I mean, it's tempting to bring him in to fix some holes but is it worthwhile picking him at this cheap price to fix some holes that you might later regret um when he misses another week or two nicey yeah look it's inevitable that he's going to miss miss weeks through suspension pistol i think uh you know it's it's probably again a big risk to bring him in but he when as he as long as he's scoring um in that range uh, you know it's it's a safe safe bet in in many ways but um, as we were talking about, with the injuries to Sirioli and, and Paul Puopolo, do you think um, that Sicily could be switched back into the forward line, which may be of detriment uh, of to his supercoach scores? It's a great question. Um, I doubt it. Obviously, I don't know. But I just feel like with options in the VFL, I mean, Burton kicked two goals in the VFL. You had um, Langford, who was out, probably comes back in. I think they have enough smalls. Um, that they can kind of get away with just leaving Sicily as that stable um, defender. I mean, even during the game um, when Frawley was just getting uh, just getting done in the match, they, they just moved him forward 
um, as well. So I feel like if they're willing to move all these other players forward but keep Sicily as a defender, um, I think going forwards when they have these injuries, they're still going to just rely on Sicily as a defender. So I think that should be pretty safe. Um, and I think that, that covers that. So just mirror as we've been talking about the whole time, we won't really touch on it anymore. 102K defender rookie scored 77, which is awesome. And not only that, after he moved to Hogan um, from the second quarter onwards, he just did such a fantastic job on Hogan. So um, he, I'd say, definitely holds a spot. And I can't imagine why he wouldn't hold his spot all all the way through the bubble. So um, looking looking forward to getting him in a couple of weeks. On the Demon side, it's the usual suspects. Gone, 112. Clayton Oliver, 128. I mean, they did well. But it's Jesse Hogan with another 94. Tell me, I know you're pretty hot on him, but... But give me the rundown of why you're so hot on Jesse Hogan, Nicey. Well, I like Jesse Hogan as a player. I think behind Lance Franklin, I think he's the um, best forward, uh, best big forward in the competition at the moment. He just he's accumulating the ball further up the ground. His ball use is fantastic. He kicks goals. Um, he's just a big body. Saints have got Melbourne in the next couple of weeks, and he's going to tear us to shreds. <laughs> um, in fact, Melbourne as a whole, have a really good run coming up. So I don't mind. I've tentatively traded Jack Billings this week and brought in Jesse Hogan. May or may not switch to, to Robbie Gray. That's just the early early rage trade in the week. And I've, <laughs> I'm, yeah, let some steam out. But I really do like Jesse Hogan um, as, as a forward option. And I think he could even finish top six. It might be the year of the power forward. And I know we say avoid key, key position players. But Jesse Hogan... And Lance Franklin, I, I really like that in my forward line. I mean, it's hard to argue with Hogan's scores this year, but I still, I just, I'm looking at the fixtures. I mean, in the next five weeks, they play Saints, Gold Coast, and Carlton. I mean, is he really not going to score 120 in each of those games? Uh, it's This is a tough one, Nicey. Exactly, um, yeah. But yeah, those, those worrying about Petrarca's 69, especially with that draw coming up, don't stress about it um michael hibbard night see is it the end of michael hibbard he's he scored 73 that means he scored a 72 73 74 this year as well as one decent score um is it safe to say that he's the shore of 2017 but now in uh 2018 or or do you think he can bounce back from this you've stolen my line there pistol <laughs> i did um, <laughs> <laughs> i think i look What's Hibbard? He's only lost twenty-seven. Uh, sorry, twenty-seven thousand this week. So sixty-five thousand a lot. He's already lost us a lot of money. I think we have to back him in at this point. I know a lot of people are looking to offload him. As we said, they're not that bad of scores, really. He's been serviceable without being disastrous. I think, I think he can turn it around. But is it a different role that he's playing that is impacting his scoring? As we've been talking about a lot uh, the last couple of weeks. I don't know. It's it's really hard. I'm going to stick by him. I've got bigger problems to worry about in my side. Um, but I just think when we've already lost 65,000, it's really hard for me to trade players out. I, the ego comes out a little bit, and I want them to, to get back to, to, you know, to where they were. Um, not saying that that will happen with Hibbard, but like I said, his scores have been okay without being great. I think it's just the value that we paid for him that sours those a little bit. I mean... This week, he did got 50% disposal efficiency. So that's well down on his average um, as well. So it's just it's just a borderline call. Um, I was big for trading him out for Simo in, in round two um, at that maximum price. I mean, I think if you really think he's done, then you've just got to trade him. If, if you're set on, on that is done, then, then, then get him out. But at the moment, there's not even that many backline primos putting their hands up that are saying, trade me in. Um, to be even worthwhile making a trade. It, it's just, uh, yeah, it's one of those borderline gut decisions where each coach is going to have a different opinion and you just kind of got to back yourself into that one um, because, yeah, we're completely split on the out of the podcasters, 2-2 um, and trade and keep. So, um, yeah, it's just you're going to have to back your gut. But one of the defenders that has done well this year in the Geelong Cats versus Saints game, I hope you like that uh, segue, Shane Savage, 100 <laughs> super coach points this week. I mean, nicely. Surely, he's the real deal. Oh, absolutely, he's the real deal. I've been, I've been uh, sort of talking him up since last season uh, when he came back into the side, and I think he he didn't drop below a hundred for five or six weeks. Um, I think he's absolutely the real deal, and and Saints have got a shocker of a run uh, at the moment. Um, 
and I think the ball's going to be spending a lot of time down back. Um, what did he have this week? 19 kicks and five handballs. He's he's just he's going to carve it up. Um, interesting to see what happens with Robertson missing, um, whether that changes his role at all, impacts uh, the amount of times that he gets the ball. But um, I think uh, I think. Savage is definitely probably the only saint you want in your supercoach side at the moment. And the good thing for Sav as well, he was back up to 79% effective uh, effective disposals um, this week, which was good. He's been down a bit the last couple of weeks, but um, serviceable score again with 100. So Robertson is out for two weeks at least. Um, does this open the door for Nick Cofield, or is he going to have to play like more defensive? Um, or or like, like what... What sort of player in the Saints side do you think is going to be the most impacted by Dylan Robertson being out? It's a good question. Um, Caulfield, I don't think his role will be affected that much. Um, and I think that a lot of people will be bringing him in this week. I'm not going to, I don't think. Um, just, again, that sort of high price range um, on the rookie sort of turns me off. And I don't know about his job security either. Um, obviously, Dylan Robin going down, that does help him. So, obviously, from a super coach perspective, that's a good thing. Um, not sure about Caulfield, though. I, I don't know what his role is going to be now with Robin gone out. Um, he may become more of a lockdown defender, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I think there's probably better options. If you're looking at bringing in a defender, I think David Muir is going to be the go-to. It's, I feel like I just can't ask you any question about rookies that are over like 130k because the answer from you is always don't get them. Yeah, they have really one can't. bad game. <laughs> the, the, well, they have. That's the that's the thing. They have one bad game and their their um, cash growth is stunted. So I I, I have always avoided them and always will. <laughs> yeah. There's there's not going to be there's not going to be many players that do impress. Having said that, you know you've got you've got players like you know your Cam Rainers and that sort of stuff. That those that sort of stuff. You've got players like Cam Rayner and those sort of boys that you know might get you through to the buy round. But um, other than that, I, I don't look to start them, and and I think there's always just a better, cheaper option. So I know you've you've mentioned your rage trades before, and obviously Jack Billings is the one that's um, making wave with your first of your rage trades for the week. Um, you also mentioned Saints having quite a difficult draw coming up. Do you want to tell us exactly um, who the Saints are playing and? why you think uh, Billings is probably not going to improve anytime soon? Well, just bear in mind, Saints are coming off losses to North Melbourne, which was a disaster um, as a Saints man. That uh, that sort of really ruined my season from, from word go. But we've had <laughs> games against Adelaide, um, the Cats this week. But coming up, we've got uh, sorry the Giants, the Hawks, and Melbourne at Etihad, which is probably, that's probably the best best-looking game out of those three. So Saints have got a really tough run coming up ahead. The problem that I have with St Kilda is we're not we're getting our hands on the ball. That's okay. That's not the issue. In fact, I think we won the inside 50s against Adelaide and were, were winning the inside 50s at, at some stage against Geelong as well, even though we were down by sort of 30, 40 points. Um, the problem with Saints is going forward. Uh, they're not using the ball well. They're coming through the corridor and then kicking wide um, or just not not taking um, the safe the safe options going inside 50. Um, that really hurts Billings' game, and, and Billings is a culprit as well. He His ball use hasn't been um, as elite as we know it to be. He was at 56% this week, so that's that's shocking um, and, and really hurts us. He's gone down in value. I'm looking to offload. <laughs> I don't like the Saints. The ball is not going to be down our end for a lot of the, a lot of the game. I'm... I'm off the bandwagon Saints for 2019, but um, <laughs> I just I just think Billings has to go. I don't think he's going to be that top six forward that we thought. Some people even said top three, myself included. Um, that's not going to happen. I'm looking at offloading Billings and probably bringing in, as I said, either a Robbie Gray or a Jesse Hogan, um, someone that's just going to stand up and, and score well. I don't think Billings is going to bounce back from this for the next couple of weeks at least. Well, I agree that he's probably not going to score too well in the next couple of weeks, but... Um, I have Billings, and I'll be holding him. I think just he's so good that if Saints are going to turn this season around at any point, if they're ever going to get better, Billings is going to be the first player that ups his average. And I, I just can't I struggle to see to, to see him averaging less than 90, even though he's been so average at the moment. Surely something gives, and he does well. Um, you know, just 
maybe it takes five weeks, but I can see him, you know, averaging 90 over the last 10 weeks of the season. Um, so, yeah, that's something something that I'm uh, definitely going to be keeping him. Now, tell me, on the cat side, there is a man named Brandon Parfit who scored 168 Supercoach points, which might be one of the highest ever um, Supercoach points for a completely Supercoach irrelevant player. People are jumping on him as like a cash cow. His break-even is at negative one, so it's not that good. What what do you reckon about that move, and do you think that is you know something worthwhile? Well, imagine if you'd started with him, Pistol. He's sort of you know in that same price bracket as um, as Alan Christensen, um, and he's he's scoring you know phenomenally well. Um, 168. Yes, it came against the Saints, but um, I you know he's he's been fantastic, and I can't see him um, sort of decreasing at you know a massive massive drop off um but i just think you know you'd probably be silly to bring him in at this stage as you say not a, not a hugely super coach relevant player and i didn't even you know bring him into considerations because i'm very much about that second year second year blues um but yeah fantastic if you've got parfit i wouldn't be bringing him in at this stage um he's at that awkward value now around that 400,000 mark. I think you've missed the boat on Parfit, but but good on him. He's, he's playing really well. Yeah, I mean, look, with a break-even of negative one, he really, he, he's probably going to make about 70K um, over the next two weeks. And then in that case, you've used two trades or at least one trade to get him in um, and another trade to trade him out. And I just don't obviously see him maintaining this average for the entire season. So um, there's no real point. Um, it's just you've missed out and, you know, bad luck, uh, move on. And, um, I think we'll do the same, and we'll we'll talk about uh, Sam and the Golder has now gone back to back big scores. Everyone jumped off him after the first two weeks. He's come out with 129. Is he back to the best? Is he going to be a top six forward? Don't know about a top six forward. It's hard with Menegola. Um, I, I think his his scoring is going to be very much dictated by how much ball um, Danger Ablett and Selwood all get. Um, obviously, I think he's on the outer along with Mitch Duncan. Their scores will probably drop off as those three come to fruition. But um, it's hard with Menegola. I, I, you should, should absolutely not have traded him after the first two weeks. Um, that was, again, hindsight talking. But um, you, can't be, you can't be trading the number one forward in the competition after two games. Um, I, I think Menegola will be good. I think he'll be serviceable. I think he'll probably average around 110. Um, for the season, but um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he's uh, he's one to watch, and and you know he's he's dropped twenty seven thousand since uh, um, since round one, so he's still an option for people to pick up if they if they really um, back him and and want to put some faith in him. I know you meant ninety average, not one hundred and ten, because you told me before the podcast. So I do want to do want to mention that you said he'd average one hundred and ten, and now everyone's going to be uh, expecting one hundred and ten average um, for the rest of the season. So uh, you know that's 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 a big call, but we'll move on. Uh, Jordan Cunico, one hundred eighty eight thousand as a midfielder, one hundred and ten super coach points. Uh, not a bad not a bad return. Let's see uh, how Cunico goes. Um, for the next two games, maybe he can be this uh, another great Geelong rookie in the same vein as Tim Kelly with these big tons. Um, so something to keep the eye on. Obviously, Tim Kelly didn't actually get too much of the ball. He only had 15 possessions, but still managed to score 89. So um, we're happy about that. Um, I should say Dangerfield as well didn't quite live up to my expectation of 160 plus. Um, he did butcher the ball a bit, 52%. And he did spend a lot of time in the last quarter on the bench. Um, he, he just... Had a little bit of an injury, but I think they were up by so much they could just you know rest him for the sake of resting him really when you when you're ahead by that much in the last quarter. Um, so not too much to worry about that. But his break even is two hundred nine, and he's just going to keep plummeting in price. So if you don't have Dangerfield, that was obviously the correct season in hind- uh, correct decision in hindsight, and you'll be able to pick him up cheaper in a couple of weeks. There's also Jack Henry. Only scored forty six, but the ball wasn't in the back line for the entire match, so can't really blame him. And uh, the big Sav, Radagolia, he only managed 60, which I guess is good enough um, considering the other the other forward rookie options. Um, so everyone else did their bit. I think, Nicey, uh, anything to add to that game or are we ready to talk about the uh, the Cancer Council? 
Ready to talk about the Cancer Council, I think. Just uh, just a quick little one. I think the big savage definitely Shane Savage. Um, maybe not in <laughs> stature, but uh, in in Supercoach relevancy, I think I think Shane is is the big sav. No, that's a, that's a very fair call. I shouldn't have said that to a, a St Kilda supporter. I instantly regret it. Um, the Cancer <laughs> Council, though, we we do see that five hundred eighty nine dollars raised uh, for this year, which is a massive effort. Um, and yeah, thanks everyone. If you enjoyed the podcast, uh, feel free to donate. The link will be um, in the comments or in the wherever. If you listen on SoundCloud, it'll be in the description or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, as well as if you do get a donut, don't forget we always run the donate for donuts, which is just if you you cop a zero, you pledge a certain amount. You know, one dollar, two dollar, three dollar, four dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, million dollar, whatever you want, and uh, you just donate that amount if um, you do cop a zero. I should say uh, there will be no Higgins tax this week because unfortunately he scored above 100. So uh, JB gets out of that one, or should I say Chizo? And um, I think uh, that that pretty much summarizes us. If you want to email us, you can find it at drscpod, drsupercoachpod at gmail.com. Um, we will do our best to answer before lockout. Um, every week and if you want to find any of us on Twitter you can find uh, myself at pistol underscore drsc um, you can find Chizo who is on this pod because there's a little bit of Chizo in all of us at uh, Chizo underscore drsc and JB at JB underscore drsc but probably don't follow JB um, just because he's the worst one of all of us on the, the podcast so just probably give that one a miss um, don't worry, uh, don't worry, Nicey. He won't actually listen this far into the podcast, so he'll never know that I said that. So, um, don't don't stress. Um, and Nicey will soon get onto the Twitter game. I'm sure about it. But uh, in the meantime, thank you for joining us, community. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, my first podcast that I've hosted, the first podcast without JB or Chizo, and uh, probably the start of the best podcasting duo in uh, Pistol and Nicey. That's it. Thank, thanks for having me, Cheezo. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> no, no worries. Thanks, Cheezo. <laughs>